0: In the previous Mishnah, we saw that although in a regular scenario, as soon as the Saita drinks the water, if she is indeed guilty of having committed adultery, then as soon as she drinks the water, she would already start bloating up, her eyes would bulge out. But the Mishnah told us that if the woman had a particular merit, that she had helped her husband or her sons learn Torah, then the punishment would not come immediately. Now Rabbi Shimon in this Mishnah argues, Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon says, Ein z'chus Her merit cannot suspend the punishment and cannot delay the punishment of the bitter water. And Rabbi Shimon explains his logic. And if you want to say that her merit can suspend and delay the effect of the water which brings about these curses and punishments, You are sort of belittling the water in front of all women who will drink the water. Meaning, women will no longer fear the punishment and the effects of this water, because they'll think that their merits will help them. So they'll think that, ah, if I commit adultery, then I won't really get that severe punishment. One of the purposes of this very severe and gruesome death is in order to put off other women from committing this severe avira. But if her merit will help her, then the water will no longer have that effect on other women to prevent them from committing adultery. As well as that, you're also causing a bad name to come out for women who are actually pure and innocent who drank the water, because people will start saying about them, Really? They are guilty and they are impure. Ah, but the water didn't cause them to blow up. That must be because she has some sort of other merit which suspended the punishment for her. But they'll think that this woman who is really innocent is actually guilty. Rebi Oime, Rebi argues against Ruby and he says that you haven't got an argument, because as a hamarim, her merit does suspend the effect of the water which causes the curses. Aye, ah, what about the things that you pointed out? The yoledes, even if she has merit, she will not give birth again. And she will not improve. Her health and appearance will not improve. Rather, she will become more ugly and more weak, and her entire health will deteriorate more and more, until La so at the end, survive some Misa. She will actually die with the same death which a regular such woman would get. So it will still be very clear to everybody that she is guilty, and if this doesn't happen to her, then they will know that she is innocent. In fact, the Gemara adds that if she is innocent, then her health and appearance would get much better, and she would give birth to more children. So in terms of that problem, it would be clear who is a Soto and who is not. And in terms of the problem of putting off other women from committing this severe vera, since at the end of the day she does die with the same death, and immediately her health starts to deteriorate, says Rebbe that is enough to put off other women from committing this severe veyrah. What happens if her Korban mincha became Tome before it was sanctified in one of the Bishamikdosh's utensils? So let's say it was still in the Egyptian basket, which the husband brought from home, and the flower had not yet been sanctified by being put inside of the already sanctified Besamikdos' utensil. The halach is, that it's just like all other korbanized mincha, that it should be redeemed, the value of the flower, whatever the flower is worth. So the sanctity of the flower should be transferred onto money worth that amount. And then the money should be used to buy new flower for another korban mincha. However, if it became Tome after it became sanctified and gained that Kedush, that holiness, by being placed in the Besame utensil, now it's already too late to just redeem it onto money. Now the uh, item itself, the flower itself, has now sanctity it's not just a sanctity which is associated with its value, but rather the item itself is intrinsically holy now. And therefore, Hari Kolam and is just like all other Choramonist mincha which become tomei after they are sanctified, v'sesoreif, that it needs to be burnt. It needs to be burnt in the base Hadesha, which is where all of the Choramonists which become invalidated are burnt, and it cannot just be redeemed. Continues Mishnah, the Shem mincha and in the following scenarios, the korban Milcha of a Saito would be burnt. We're talking about once the flour has been added to the B'sahmetra's utensil. If then the woman says, I am impure to you, meaning she confesses. Or if witnesses come and testify that she had relations, or if she says that she's not going to drink the water, or if her husband decides that he doesn't want her to drink the water. Or if they find out, let's say witnesses testify that her husband had relations with her on the way to the Besarikdosh, after she'd had kinu and steer already... Like we learned at the beginning of the Masechta, if her husband then has relations with her, then the water would no longer be effective. So all of these cases which is just listed are reasons that she wouldn't drink the water. Now, if she's not going to drink the water, she also will not bring the korban. They come together. She might need to be divorced, and she wouldn't receive her Kosova, but the korban is only ever bought if she's going to drink the water. And the Mishnah adds, any Saito sort of woman who is married to a Koyen min rafais. their korban mincha would be totally burnt. Now this has a different reason to the other ones on the list because the is that when a regular man brings a korban mincha, not talking about a soita, just a regular korban mincha, the law is, just like we saw regarding the soita's korban mincha, is that only a kamitsa, a three-finger hand of, handful, of the flower is offered on the Mizbeach, whereas the rest goes to the kranim who are working in the Besom at that time, and they can have that flower for themselves. On the other hand, a koin who brings a korban mincha All of the flour is burnt on the the Mizbeach, not just a kamitza of it. Now, if the wife of a Koyain becomes a soita, so she needs to bring a korban mincha, she herself is only married to a Koyain. So for her korban mincha, only a kamitza is burnt on the Mizbeach. However, since her flour comes from her husband's property, anything that she owns is really owned by her husband, so he has a share in her korban. And because of that, although a kamitza is taken and burnt by itself on the Mizbeach, the rest of the flower, instead of being given to the koinim, also needs to be burnt. So a kamitsha is taken because she's not a koin herself, but both parts of the flower are burnt. So that's what the Mishnah means over here, that anybody who is married to a koinim and is a Saitah, their koron mincha is entirely burnt. And it should be noted that the part which is the kamitsha, that is burnt on the Mizbeach. The rest of it is burnt, but not on the mezbeach, rather it is burnt where the other carbons which become invalidated are burnt that is known as the Beis Hadeshen. Mishnah Zayin. The Mishnah repeats the law which we learned in the previous Mishnah. But Yisrael so is the kohen, a daughter of a a regular female Jew, who is married to a male kohen, and she becomes a soita min and Her entire Koron Milcha is burnt. The Khamitsa is burnt in the Mizbeach, and the rest of it is burnt in the Beis Hadeshin. On the other hand, the Kohenes, the daughter of a kohen she Israel, who married a male Jew who is not a kohen, and then she becomes a soita min Echeles, the rest of the flower, not the kamitsa, is given to the koanim and is eaten by the koyanim. Once she marries a Yisrael, so she has the regular law of a mincha of a Yisrael, of a non-koyin, and therefore the rest of it would be given to the koyanim. Now while we're on the subject, asks the Mishnah, Mamin koyin what are all of the differences between a koyin, who is male, and a female koyin, meaning the daughter of a koyin? So first, let like we just mention minchas koyin es the carbon mincha of a female Koyain who is married to a Jew is eaten by the Koyanim. Mincha's koyayin inun Echeles, whereas the carbon mincha of a woman who is married to a male Koyain in an Echeles is not eaten by the koyayinim, rather it is all burnt. And this doesn't just apply to the carbon mincha of a seita. really any carbon mincha, that is the law. And the truth is for a regular carbon mincha, the entire carbon mincha, all of the flour, if it is a Koyen's, all of it would be burnt on the Mizbeach itself. It's only when it comes to a soita, where in terms of herself, only a Kamitzah should be burnt on the Mizbeach. Because her husband has a share in it, so the rest of it isn't given to the Koyanim. But it still can't be given, um, burnt on the Mizbeach and therefore it's burnt in the base Hadashin. But when it comes to a regular Kolb Mincha, the entire flower would be burnt on the Mizbeach if it is the Kolb Mincha of a Koyin. The next difference regards a Cholol or a chalolo. A is a Koyin who becomes disqualified, as it were his kuno status is taken away from him, he can no longer eat truma, he can no longer serve in the Bes HaMikdash, and there are two main ways in which one can become a cholol. One is if a khalal marries a woman who he's forbidden to marry, for example, a woman who had been divorced or a woman who had previously had illegal relations, any child born from that relationship is considered a khalal. The man himself who had the relations is not considered a cholol. However, any children born as a result of that relationship, it would be a cholol. The second way in which one can become a is if the daughter of a kohen, who has the right to eat truma, just like any kohen, if she has illegal relations, then she becomes a chalola and she would no longer be able to eat truma, and she would also be forbidden to marry a kohen. One of the people which a woman, which a kohen cannot marry is a chalola. So the mission says that kohenes mischaleles. A female kohen who has illegal relations, she herself becomes a halala. Whereas the kohen, a kohen who has illegal relations does not become a chalol himself. Only his children will become chalolim. But he himself, by having the illegal relations, does not become a chalol. Next difference, kohenes, a female kohen can become impure from a dead body. She can go into a graveyard, etc. Whereas a male kohen is forbidden to become tommy from a dead body. The Torah says that the prohibition applies only to Bnei Ahara'in, the sons of Ahara'in, which implies the male descendants and not the female descendants. The last difference of the Mishnah concerns Korbanes, and there are two main levels of sanctity regarding Carbonase. There's something known as Kodshim Kalim, Kodshim Kalim are the Korbanes which have a lower level of sanctity, whereas Kodshim Kodshim are Korbanes with a high level of sanctity, for example a Korban chatos, a korban Mincha. And one of the differences in their laws is that a korban, which is in the category of kodje kodjim, the only people who are able to eat that are male koyanim. Kodjim kalim, even non koyanim can sometimes eat them, depending on what they are. But when it comes to Kodche kodjim, only male koyanim who are serving in the base of at that time, only they can eat them. So the Mishnah says, koyne echol A male koyim would be able to eat kodje kodjim, vein kayne sechols kodjim. Whereas a female kohen would not be able to eat kodje Mishnah Since we listed in the previous Mishnah the differences between a kohen and a koheness, now the Mishnah opens up a more wider discussion. What is all the difference between a man and a woman? And the Mishnah is going to bring a list of lots of different laws where we differentiate between a man and a woman. A man who is a mature, needs to let his hair grow and he needs to tear his clothes. A mature is somebody who has taraas. Particular spots on the skin which give him a certain level of tumor and the halach is that he needs to leave the camp of the Jewish people and sit outside of the camp for a week and that applies to both a man and a woman who becomes a Metsayra. However the additional requirement for him to have his clothes torn and his hair growing long during that week that only applies to a man. for but a woman who is a Metsayras would not need to let her hair grow long and let her clothes be torn. The Torah explicitly talks about Ishtzoruahu, talks about a man who is a mitzira. Next, a Nazir is somebody who accepts upon himself certain prohibitions such as not to drink wine, not to cut his hair, not to become Tommy from a dead body. And the way one becomes a Nazir is by declaring that he wants to be a Nazir. And of course, you can only do that by yourself. I can't make a Nedai that somebody else will be a, a Nazir. However, there is a halach al Sinai that says that A man is able to make a neder to say that his son will become a nazir. As long as his son is not yet bar mitzvah, as long as he's just a child. Whereas a woman is not able to make a neder that her son will become a nazir. Now, in general, when somebody separates korbanis, he designates an animal to be a korban for himself, for his own obligation, and then he dies. That animal is already designated for that person's korban, so somebody else can't come now and use that for his own korban. However, there is a halakh al which says that ha'ish A man can use that which was separated for his father's Naziris, for his own Korubanus of his own Naziris. Meaning, if somebody's father was a Nazir, and he separated Korubanus to bring at the end of his Naziris, and then he died before managing to bring the Korubanus, there is Allah which says that his son is able to use those korbanis for his own korbanis at the end of his own naziris. Even though in general this would be forbidden and it wouldn't work. Over here there is Allah which says that he can, but a woman would not be able to use her father's korbanis, which is separated for his naziris, for her naziris. One of the rights which a man has over his daughter, as long as she is a child and not yet bats mitzvah, is that a man can sell his daughter as a slave, as a maidservant, for another Jewish master. And then it would be a mitzvah on that other Jewish master to marry her, or to give her to his son to marry her. But as the Mishnah says that a man can sell his daughter as a slave, but a woman is not able to sell her daughter as a slave. Another one of the rights which a father has over his daughter... And this time, it's not only when she is a katana under the age of bas mitzvah, but it's also for the six months after that, when she is called a nara. For those six months, that's when she is maturing. So until the age of 12 and a half years old, a man can receive kiddushin on behalf of his daughter. Kiddushin is the first stage of marriage, most commonly done by the man giving the woman a particular object and thereby acquiring her. So her father can receive this from that man who wants to marry her, and that would also be good enough and she would be considered half married to this man. They But her mother is not able to perform Kiddushin on behalf of her daughter. And all of these differences are learnt from Psukim. Now one of the death penalties, one of the four death penalties which Bastin can give, is Skelos, stoning. And this applies to both a woman and a man. If they perform one of their various, which warrant such a death penalty, they would receive skila. However, the requirement to stone them whilst they are unclothed, they weren't totally unclothed, but for the most part they were unclothed, that only applies to a man. is called a man would be stoned without his clothes, but a woman would not be stoned without her clothes. For the sake of her honour, she would be able to wear clothes whilst being stoned. Now, regardless of which death penalty a man or a woman would receive from the base den, After being killed, their body would be hung. It would only be hung for a few moments, maximum until the end of the day. And again, the Torah says, that you should hang him, and we learn from there that a man would be hung, but a woman would not be hung. All right, and last difference, a man is sold as a slave if he steals something and is not able to pay back, but a woman who steals and is not able to pay back is not sold as a slave. Now, there are certainly a number of more differences between men and women, but the Mishnah gave a large list of many of the examples.